Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. Joining us is President and CEO of GNO Inc., Michael Heck. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Newell. It is uh, wonderful to be with you. Kind of like an early Christmas for me. <laughs> yeah. As you put here, es mucho por hoy. <laughs> What's es that? mucho. What? Uh, much more for today or it, something? Yeah, more for it's today. It's a lot for a today. Lot, a, lot a lot for today, you know, yeah. The, the way the way the end of the year o- always feels, and it, it, this year maybe even more than I, I don't know why this is like the, the 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 metaphor in my brain, but I feel kind of like like a horse, like running through like a snowy hillside, like in like you know in like you know Yellowstone, and I'm trying to get into the barn where it's going to be warm, and that's Christmas, that's the Christmas New Year's week, and, and I'm galloping towards the barn, and I'm excited, and there's 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 hay inside and food and a blanket. And right before I hit the barn, which is like this week, there's this patch of black ice that I don't see. And I just go all like legs akimbo. And I just like go flying into the back of the barn, hit the back wall and slide down. And that's that's this Friday. That's Christmas. And that, and that's your excuses for not getting all the gifts that you should have purchased earlier on in the Christmas season in order to be better prepared, right? Yeah, it's 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 either that or I or I, or I say I get I'll, I'll get it for you in January when everything goes on exactly. sale. You know, I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Michael, um, it seems as though a number of the committees for Jeff Landry uh, transition-wise have wrapped up, and uh, I guess they're putting together their reports for consent for the governor's uh, elect's consideration. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk uh, about Louisiana State Police and a possible presence for them here in the city. What are you hearing? Yeah, I've been involved. I was personally involved in the New Orleans committee, also having discussions with other committees like economic development and insurance. And I think the first thing to to note, Newell, is I've done a lot of these uh, transition committees for for mayors and governors, and to some degree, they've always felt a bit, you know, performative, like a thank you to supporters. This process has felt much more substantial. Uh, because of the people involved, because the governor has been personally involved there every time that we've we've gotten together, it feels like there's really a a, a seriousness of purpose, which has been great to see. And then some of the things are already coming to bear um, on public safety. We already had the announcement that the governor had with um, with the uh, with uh, DA Williams about how they're going to help uh, with prosecutions of state arrests. And now it looks like, in fact, we are going to see uh, Troop N uh, come back to New Orleans, uh, Louisiana State Police Troop N. And that's great because they can help out uh, in in a number of areas. They can help out in the French Quarter. Uh, Now that they're going to be invited back in, which is what it takes, they can help out uh, on the interstate, on I-10. And I think what's actually important for people to hear is in talking to the governor-elect about this, he said, look, you know, we can't only focus on the French Quarter. We have to focus on New Orleans East. We have to focus on the 7th Ward. 
And he said, one, it's the right thing to do. And two, if we make those places safer, if we make all of New Orleans safer, then the French Quarter is going to become safer as well. Um, so that's his attitude, and, and it looks like it's going forward. And I think everybody I talked to is pleased about this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that ultimately works out, because I, I have been one that has been advocating to give them a piece of geography, and if that's the French Quarter, the French Quarter. Because what you accomplish there, if you put 60 officers in the French Quarter to handle all of the, you know, the, um, the shifts, you're able to move a commensurate number of NOPD officers into the other districts. Uh, and it would seem to me that um, that would be a much more effective and efficient approach, mm. uh, 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 emblematic of more of a long-term relationship, uh, not a short-term one. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the effectiveness of is easy, it's easy to see the evidence-based outcomes, you know, because the effectiveness and efficiencies that they may or may not create by being in the French Quarter are going to be lie right there in the crime stats. And, yeah, no, it's a clean know, experiment. And, I, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you know, and you know, but but if you start dissecting them up around the city, um, there's just no way to quantify what impact that you're actually having. Uh, and you know, in 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 this way, um, because you know, part of the issue, the last three consultants that have come to the city, has said mm-hmm. eight districts are too many. Five is the number. And there's been this hesitancy because of some historical significance or whatever, or, in my view, an immaturity of the organization to realize that we have to right size in order to gain the efficiencies and the effectiveness that we desire. And without doing that right sizing exercise, we're never going to get there. You and I have talked about this many times that we're looking at a three to five year situation of getting back to the complement of officers that we desire uh, it's not minimum. something that's going to yeah, at a minimum right and it's not i mean that's if everything goes perfect right um you know so it, it has to be a long-term strategy it can't be a flash in the pan you know a couple guys over here a couple of guys over there i just don't think that's going to work and so i'd be curious but look i i, I applaud the effort I applaud everything that Governor-elect Landry has done in this regard. I think he's sending the appropriate messaging in the appropriate fashion. Um, it's, and I think he, he has actually developed some momentum, and, and I think some, you know most people, including myself, feel encouraged. But this is a huge upside opportunity, and actually, I think for him, a legacy changer, right? I, I, um, I agree. I mean, for, for him to be able to say – I came in here and and I fundamentally changed the trajectory of New Orleans for the good of the city, the region, and the state. You know, it's a bit of a Nixon goes to China kind of moment, right? And I think for him politically, that's that's very interesting. Um, I also think it's important, though, that we give credit where credit's due in that D.A. Williams, the mayor, and Chief Kirkpatrick have all welcomed the support. And that's been essential, and it hasn't always been like that. So it seems that everybody is playing their role right now, and, um, yeah, there's a well, general sense agree, of optimism about it. You would agree uh, the mayor needs a couple of legacy changers. This is, a, oh, this, I, is a, this is one that's incredibly low-hanging fruit for her. The question is, 
in the end is whether or not the leadership in the city can, can display the maturity that's necessary to go about right-sizing this and doing it in a way that's going to be effective, efficient, and long-term. We, we need a commitment long-term, not short, medium, that state police are here and they're here to no, stay. That, that's right. And I think in terms of the maturity and the perspective to make the long-term change, it's one of the things that I, I was hopeful about with Chief Kirkpatrick. And from talking to people, it looks like we're going to get it. She is... I think, you know, the fact that she is so clearly an outsider gives her a freedom uh, of movement uh, and a freedom to make changes that somebody who was uh, more connected and more of this place relationship-wise wouldn't be able to do. Um, And she does, of course, have the experience of working in four or five other jurisdictions, some of them larger than New Orleans. So if there was ever somebody who had the, I think, the profile and the ability to make these changes and slay these sacred cows. And we've done it in New Orleans. Look, we got down from seven assessors to one is probably an yeah. analogous example. Everybody said, you can never Absolutely. do it. We need seven, you know. And we did it, and it's been fine, and it's been good. Um, and so um, I just think we have to kind of keep building on the momentum, let everybody take credit for it, and recognize that, you know, if we end this year down 20 25% in homicides, that's good momentum but we're still going to be 100% above where we were in the 50-year good year of 2019. So we still have a long way to go, so we just have to keep yeah, doubling and, down and doubling and down. And the truth, the truth be told, Michael, is that we need to stop judging the effectiveness of the NOPD by the murder rate, right? Most of yeah. that is driven by emotion. These murders are relational. The victim and the perpetrator know one another. Um You know, even if you have a full complement of officers, you're going to have the vast majority of murders are going to be relational. We don't have many random murders, thankfully. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's a a good thing. Uh, But, you know, what happens here is the uh, lack of emotional intelligence in our community, uh, which is the ability to handle one's own emotions and the emotions of others education and a lot of other of those peripheral issues that's what's driving the murder rate mental health Um, yeah no mental health it's it's true you know so so the effectiveness of what they do out there it's a horrible criteria to be judged by and we everybody falls prey to it it's really the other the other uh, issues that are out there and whether or not your you know your your solve rate your clearance rate what you're able to do um, you know coupled with the next step. So give you an example. The other day they took down some ATV riders, right? Six of them. Right, right. Good to see that, right? I was was pleasantly surprised, right? You know, in an overt way, all it is is guys riding, you know, four-wheelers and dirt bikes without helmets and everything else. But when you get intrusive, you never know what it's going to reveal. And what did it reveal? Three weapons, right? (laughs) And that's where you get – that's where – the um, the juice is worth the squeeze, right? Right. And 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 that's what you're going to find a lot of, and that that's where it's more appropriate of of judging the effectiveness of proactive policing in a department. Those types. I love that story, and I love the work that NOPD did on it, and I hope the DA takes it seriously, and I hope he prosecutes all six of them. You know, and. And it, and it not end up being a slap on a hand because it's going to send a message. They confiscated the six bikes 
Uh, they're unregistered, unclear as to who owns them. And, you know, that that's how you impact what's happening out on the street day in and day out. Yeah, I mean it's it's about it's about changing the the, the conditions uh, that that allow the worst crimes to happen. It, it's there. I mean everything has an antecedent. I I would expect yes. the DA to take this seriously now. There seems to be. I think everybody is recognizing there's been a change in posture. Um, you know, as he's moved from poetry to prose uh, in in what he's doing. Uh, and so I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged by it. I mean, and your point about the police and judging them is totally fair. I remember I was, I was having coffee with uh, Chief Surpass about a year ago, and we were having a lot of challenge with response times. And he was talking about, yeah, you can do this, you can do that. We have too many districts. We need more people. We need to use technology and so forth. But he said, but look, Michael, here's the bottom line. Any response time is too long, whether it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes, somebody's been hurt. We have to stop the hurt from happening in the first place. No, absolutely. No doubt. Let's pivot. Big wind business, still a lot going on in the wind industry. Yeah, th- this one, I was glad to see this article come out. Uh, we we did a, uh, a database working with RWE, which is the second biggest wind operator in the world. They're a German company. And what we wanted to explore was how many Louisiana companies were out there that could translate their experience in engineering, building, and servicing oil and gas into doing the same for offshore wind. Our suspicion is that there were many of them, and we already know some of them that are already doing so, like Edison Schwest that's building uh, boats for for, or for uh, Orstel. What came out was a database that was much bigger than I expected it to be. It's 123 Louisiana companies that either are currently or have the ability to work in offshore wind. And what's fantastic about this is that if Louisiana can truly establish itself as being the supplier for offshore wind across America, then instead of kind of looking for gold, we're selling shovels to the gold miners. From an economic standpoint, it's much more stable. It's a much bigger opportunity. And like any really good strategy, it's playing on our historical strengths, which is engineering, building, and servicing big structures in deep water. So this database is now out there. We're hoping that it'll be used by the rest of the world, and they're looking to source uh, engineering and building and servicing of their structures, um, particularly in America. Um, and, and we expect that under the, the new leadership, uh, it's going to continue to be supported by, by the governor because this is not a partisan issue. Uh, one of our biggest supporters is Representative Joe Ogeron, uh, who is an oil and gas Republican uh, from the Bayou, because he understands that, uh, to his, his quote, he said, the wind operators understand that we have experienced established companies in Louisiana that can support them. So, um, yeah, we're glad to get this database out there because it, it, makes, it, it makes it explicit. And then with that, uh, we've had some uh, additional companies that have signed agreements to build uh, wind farms uh, off the shores of Louisiana, right? Yeah, that's that's right. But by the way, just so one plug, if people want to look at the database, they can go to the GNO Inc. website. Um, yeah, then the other announcement, which is, is, is different, but also in wind, is that Louisiana is now the first state in America to have signed agreements to allow establishment of wind in state waters. So another Danish firm, Vestas, is going to be off of Cameron Parish. And then a Japanese company uh, owned by Mitsubishi, Diamond Offshore Wind, is going to be off the coast of Terrebonne and Lafourche. 
And, you know, these, these are not going to be major wind farms. But what you do by having these wind farms that are in state waters is you, one, allow for experimentation and perfection of technology. And, two, because they're closer to the shore, the transmission costs are lower. And that's significant because the big issue with offshore wind in the Gulf right now is that it's expensive relative to natural gas and nuclear, which is where we get most of our power from. So by putting it closer to shore, you're shrinking that cost delta, which makes it more usable uh, when you want to plug it into the, um, the residential grid. Michael, but there's been a series of stories about difficulties with some of the development of wind farms on the East Coast, and it's been primarily due to that issue, these transmission costs. Are we seeing more and more of that uh, in, in the recognition well, what, what happened of, of there, that difficulty? Yeah, there is. I mean, look, this I, to some degree, I mean, this is, is regrettable, but it's also kind of feels inevitable. What happened in the East Coast particularly is that Orsted, which is the Danish company, biggest operator in the world, started doing these massive billion-dollar projects, and they, they signed on to them years ago without any inflation hedge. And so they just got slammed uh, when we had this inflation that we hadn't seen uh, in years. Now, why they did that, I, I don't know. Same reason I don't know why Silicon Valley Bank didn't hedge against inflation risk. But um, that's what kind of took them out. The expectation is that uh, either Orsted will come back or other companies will come and buy the lease. And it'll kind of be like, you know, a building that gets built and the original operator, um, you know, has to has to declare bankruptcy and the new one comes in and then operates it with lower costs more successfully. So, um, yeah, the, the, the cost issue is going to be very much a real one. And that's partially because um, – that's partially because here, in, in particularly in the South, we enjoy, you know, inexpensive electricity. The first uh, wind farm in the country off the coast of Block Island, one of the reasons why it was put there is that the electricity on Block Island is really expensive because they're bringing it out, they're bringing diesel out in boats. So it made sense for wind. So we need companies like one that we have here in New Orleans called Gulf Wind Technology that's out um, at Avondale to continue to work on ways to get the cost down by more efficiency, by dealing with transmission costs, by thinking about storage. Because at, at the end of the day, there's got to be a market rationale for this energy. It, it can't just be because people think it's a good idea. Yeah. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Michael Heck, President and CEO of GNO Inc. We'll be right back after the break, folks. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Michael Heck, president of G. President and CEO of G&O8. Oh, geez. That news, I that told music you, man. was driving me crazy. I was getting tongue-tied. What was that? Who was your <laughs> DJ? You, you know Coleman. You you talk to him every all the time. All the time. <laughs> there's there's so a Michael in there Rudolph somewhere. The reindeer. <laughs> it's a what? The French version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. In honor of our our upcoming guests. But first, Michael, let's talk about the Port of New Orleans uh, scoring a $74 million grant to move forward with the building of the new container terminal in St. Bernard Parish. Yeah, uh, this is great news. Uh, It's a grant that came out of the Federal Infrastructure Act. Uh, We had uh, Congressman uh, Troy Carter was part of it. Uh, Senator Cassidy was part of it. Our whole federal delegation um, and it, it's just significant because it just adds to the momentum that we already have $800 million of private capital uh, that's been committed uh, to getting this port done. It, it, it's, it's kind of a binary. If we get the port done, Louisiana remains in the trade game. If we don't, we're really out of it because the current bridge, the Crescent City Connection, is basically too low to accommodate uh, the current biggest ships and the ships of the future. So it's an existential issue for us economically, and so seeing that we're getting the federal support to match the private support and the uh, the state support that we expect from the governor through capital outlay is is a big deal. Michael, we have a special guest that joins us. Uh, merci, mon ami. J'ai le plaisir de vous présenter mon bon ami, le très beau conseil général de France et Louisiane, Rudolph Sambo. Bonjour. Merci for in- thank you for inviting me. Council General, welcome to the show. I do want to warn you, he is a show off. <laughs> okay. oh. <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm excited to, to hear that. So um Council General, you were recently appointed as the uh, Council General of the Consulate of uh, General of uh, France here in New Orleans. Um can you tell us about uh, that, that role and, and what you've experienced so far and what, what you find unique about New Orleans and Louisiana? Okay, first, thank you for inviting me. I, I am delighted to, to, to be here. And as you mentioned, I just arrived uh, last September, and my role basically is to represent France, not only in uh, New Orleans, but all around uh, Louisiana. The consulate is one of the eldest uh, French diplomatic posts in the, in the U.S. So basically what my role entails is first overseeing uh, the, the safety of the 2,000 
French uh, citizens living in Louisiana and the 60,000 tourists every every year. But that's uh, the first uh, the first uh, thing I'm doing. I'm also um, having a strong focus on uh, on uh, the cultural and the educational level. We have 42 French immersion schools, uh, a network of uh, 115 French teachers here. And basically, I'm supervising this. And the third role that Michael knows about is trying to uh, develop economic ties. Uh, trade exchanges are, are um, improving, are expanding a lot. And uh, we are the second foreign employers in Louisiana. And I'm trying to convince uh, Louisiana stakeholders uh, to come and, and invest in, uh, in France. And, uh, and that's basically what my role entails uh, here in, uh, in Louisiana. Are there any... Uh specific projects that you're working on right now oh many 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 we 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 work uh both so tr trying to to reinforce uh francophony here and to to strengthen this and uh yeah trying to 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 expand the role to to develop the roles and the ties with the, the french caribbeans we try to uh we try to work on uh, also on uh, on the we, we have a very important uh, commemoration next year the, there will be the 80th anniversary of the of the G day with many louisianians going to uh, to normandy we have the olympic games in paris and uh, but basically my priorities is uh, working also on uh, on the climate change and uh, and uh, yeah and the environment you mentioned um, michael mentioned just mentioning this program, uh, Renewable Energy, and that's uh, a strong area of interest for us. And we are trying also to develop our ties with universities, businesses, industries, uh, and this. So that's basically my, my priorities at the moment, what, what's keeping me busy. And I just want to mention that I love Louisiana. It's just so, so uh, people are so friendly with us. And as a, as a Parisian, it's, it's really, um, really surprising, and it comes as a cultural shock. The welcoming message I get, the smiles I get everywhere, and it's uh, really, I really appreciate my, my, my staying here. I wish my father were alive to hear this interview. My father, French-speaking Acadian, a, Nord, a Normand from Normandy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, actually uh, would love speaking French and, and love uh, interacting in, in the Acadian community. Uh, I, unfortunately, he didn't teach me the language. <laughs> I used to, no, you should, used to learn. Tell you should learn. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I used to give him hell for it, too. <laughs> it's like, I was like, why did you take the time to teach me the language? Oh no, but I, I think it's something very, very. Well, your your story is is, uh, is among many I've I've heard so far. I've been here only two and a half months, and and it's so moving to see all the the connections, those connections with uh, with parents speaking French, uh, and and it's really really moving. So what we are trying to do is to to revitalize French and consolidate it and make sure the younger generations, and there are many, many Francophones uh, among the younger generations trying to teach their parents, uh, to teach French to their parents. And, and it's an asset for their, their future. It's, uh, 
becoming bilingual and enriches you and uh, gives you more opportunities for, 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 for work and for, for job. And it also gives you a new uh, cultural perspective. It makes you more open-minded and, and it's really, really important to, to, to foster French. So uh, the younger generation will be teaching you French, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. In your short time here, what has surprised you most? Well, uh, beyond the, the fact uh, that you play a game called football with your hands, that's the first thing that struck me. <laughs> Touche. You you really want to debate this topic? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no. I, actually, I am a big Saint fan, uh, Saint fan and I, I became a, a, a Saint hooligan. So uh, it's just uh, it was it was just as a as a joke. But what really no, really struck me is that exactly what I mentioned. Uh, what I mentioned first: the friendliness of people, the smiles, and uh, and also people telling me about their ancestors, their stories their links to France, and it's really, really something uh, that really uh, struck me and moved me a lot, yes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, growing up in both my mother being Spanish, my dad being French, um, and what we found uh, a pastor and a pastora in the Pyrenees, the two families came, and they were literally 40 miles apart from one another. Um, wow, and it and it's amazing how they both ended up in, in the, that lineage. Both ended up in Louisiana. You know, and you you hear these stories all the time of these connections in in so many different ways. And I'm sure, um, Council General, you're hearing them every day. I am, I am, and actually, you're mentioning the Pyrenees, and you see, when I was mentioning. Uh, uh, real connections and vibrance. Like I have my my. Uh, I'm originally my mother is originally from the Pyrenees region. So you see, we might have some common ancestors. So it's yes. really every single day, every single day, I hear those stories, and it makes me so comfortable and so happy to be to be here and 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 trying to revitalize and foster those those bonds and links. So it's it's really 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 rewarding for me, and I really love it. So I'm not sure how, and, and Michael, uh, fill in with and help me out here. The, the council general position, do you serve for a term or you serve at the, the pleasure of, of the French president? How does that work in France? Uh, well, uh, we we um, we serve usually our tenure is uh, is um, is about three years, so that's the the normal the normal tenure of, uh, of our stay here, three or four years, depending. And uh, yes, you mentioned uh, the French president, and uh, and we've been celebrating those days. Uh, the the anniversary has been one year. The president was here, and it was just such, such an amazing uh, visit, and he really reaffirmed the the will to, to strengthen the, the bonds of friendship and the importance of uh, the friendship between France and Louisiana. And when you think about uh, things that you want to accomplish in your stay here, what would be your top priority issue? I mean, my my key priorities is it's the the first one is really to to foster and reinforce friends in Louisiana. Uh, 
also to ensure that Francophonie expands and Francophone stakeholders work together and consolidate uh, the, 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 the richness uh, uh, and, the, and the ties between, between uh, France and Louisiana. Make sure our business ties are increasing. Make sure our connectivity is increasing. Uh, trying to convince people, investors, to choose France and trying also to bring some French businesses here. So that's basically... Uh, basically what we are trying to do and uh we are we are really uh, on the right track i've seen that uh, trade is uh, expanding uh, between france and louisiana uh, it has been uh, tripling uh, last year and it's really something uh, something very very important and that's my areas of uh, of interest and uh, that's what i'm concentrating on yeah so, Mr. Council General, let's pivot to what we think is uh, some of the most important things, and that's food. We know that you have mm. incredible cuisine and delicacies in France. What do you think of the food here? It's great. It's really, really I, – I am amazed also, and it's also part when I talked about those those strange and unexpected connections I discovered when I arrived. I should have started by food because – it's the most important uh, thing for me. It's a vital element. And when when you go to to when you go to restaurants, I was so impressed to see all uh, the influences uh, of uh, Creole food. I've been uh, and uh, and 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 the, the richness of it and the, and the influences and how it traveled over. The world. I've read a lot and experienced a lot and talked to many many cooks in in restaurants, telling me about the influences of. Uh, of Creole fruits, the African roots, the French fruits, the Spanish fruits of uh, many, many species and, and, and plates you're, you're, you're cooking. So it's really, really, really important. And I really love, and I really also uh, pay attention usually and considerate people paying attention to what they are eating. You're not just eating, you're just uh, trying to to. You 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 just uh, question what you are cooking about, and it's something that also I can relate to. So, so I'm I just yesterday I just uh, tried a great gumbo, and that's definitely definitely my my favorite uh, my favorite food here I discovered in Louisiana. Well, you got to get Mr. Heck to take you out more often and get get out to I know. A, I keep a asking him more. to take me out. He never, he never does it. I keep asking him to, to take me out uh, to, for dinner. I, I'm, uh, I'm waiting for you. Michael, uh, what are you doing? Okay, okay. <laughs> Michael, uh, any other questions uh, we have of uh, the Council General? Well, no, as you can see, the Consul General is just magnificent at, at the diplomatic side of things, um, but his focus on the economy is what has me most excited. And I think that the interest uh, of France in New Orleans particularly is, is sincere. If you remember when President Macron uh, and First Lady uh, came here not too long ago, um, it was quite a special visit. He spent uh, two days here, which was an extraordinary amount of time. And I think it's a real understanding that uh, French economically and also in terms of soft diplomacy needs places like New Orleans. So there's a real legitimacy and a real uh, seriousness about this relationship. And we're, we're just very lucky to have individuals like the consul uh, as part of our part of our team. Uh, th thank you for your nice words, and, and uh, as you mentioned, Louisiana is very, very important for, for, for France, and we will keep and strengthen those ties together. If you invite me uh, to restaurants, Michael, I keep your word. 
je, je, vous, je vous promets. Council General, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck here in, in New Orleans, and we really appreciate all that you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, likewise, likewise, and looking forward to, to, to see you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a happy Thank you. All righty. We'll be right back, folks. We've got to get to a break. Uh, <laughs> stay with us. Michael Heck will come back, and we'll, we'll put the hat on him some more. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Michael Heck, president and CEO of GNO Inc. And um, that's got to be a great that's got to be a great assignment, huh, Michael? Uh, yeah, to- I mean, these people that get to do this, they're typically very passionate about their country, but also uh, quite accomplished. So the previous consul general was also a, a Russian scholar. Uh, Rudolf Sambo has a distinguished history. Uh, around the world um, is very big in immigration affairs. And so, um, yeah, they're really interesting people to meet, and they always lead to good connections. The only thing is that they always leave after four years. They get reassigned, and so you get a new one. But I guess that's a chance to create more friends, um, you know, around the world. But And, by the way, thank you for obligating me to an expensive lunch now. I appreciate <laughs> you doing that on, on air. There's like There's literally no way I can back out of this now. I mean, everybody heard it. Absolutely, that's why I did it. <laughs> it'll be it'll be my pleasure. No, he's a he's a, he's a he's a neat guy, and you can tell that you can tell from the enthusiasm in his voice that it's not a put on. I mean, you know, if no, you had a choice between being assigned to, you know, Houston or New Orleans, New Orleans is is absolutely the preferable assignment. So, Michael, as we think about uh, kind of the year in review of twenty twenty three, what kind of sticks out most for you? Uh, 2023, Newell, for me, and tell me if you agree with this, but it felt more optimistic, or it feels more optimistic now. 2022 was a very difficult year. It was the end of COVID. Crime was high. I think everybody was really in a sour mood. And I think there's a sense this year in 2023, we began to lift out of the nadir that things are generally improving and there's a sense of change and optimism and hope in the air. So I'm feeling pretty good about the transitions we're seeing um, you know, at the state level, uh, about the momentum that we're seeing in the economy, about the relative resilience that we're showing from COVID in terms of tourism. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm feeling, I think, emotionally better and intellectually better than I did uh, a year ago, despite being a year older, which is kind of a problem. No, no doubt. I, I would agree. I, I would agree. And, um, and you know, there's so many curveballs always coming, you know, from so many different directions. Sometimes it's, it's hard to just pause and reflect and, 
and, and kind of uh, put things in, in context of what has happened over the year and the positive movements that uh, movement that has has occurred. Uh, but I, I I would I would agree with your summation there. Yeah, and that's what's nice to know about having next week with, you know, Christmas and then the week between New Year. It's a chance to sit back uh, with with friends and with the family that you like and even the family you don't like and for us to reflect on just how... <laughs> the in-laws and the outlaws? <laughs> yeah, the in-laws and the outlaws. As somebody said to me, I was talking to him before, that's kind of like watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in your brand-new Porsche. <laughs> Love it as always, Michael. Okay, I had I, I had enough of you. <laughs> You're out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, man, I'm not gonna no, I'm not gonna bother you till next year. There you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, have a great holiday, man. You as well. Best to you and yours. Thank you, Noel. All righty, we'll be right back, folks. Welcome back, folks. When we return, we'll visit with Jeff Freeman. CEO of the U.S. Travel Association, uh, New Orleans has been selected to host the IPW conference in 2027. We'll talk about the significance of that. And in the back half of the hour, we'll visit with Stephanie Turner for New Orleans and Company, Senior Vice President of Convention Sales and Strategies. We'll talk about the 2024 convention outlooks and strategies utilized by New Orleans and Company as they position themselves as built to host in an extremely competitive marketplace. So stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Newell on WWL. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 